I forgot to do it until Mother's Day. Move to school. Okay. So then I tried to be a mother because it shows I would take that much deeper. I would take that so much deeper. As you move forward, you want to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Okay, so first I want to say that um, Laura Fruckman is sponsoring this class tonight um, as a memory of, uh, for her mother's yard site. Her mother's name was Riva Bas Yehuda. And I hope it's okay if I share this with you. She sent me an email that her mother, when she was quite ill, had sent to another woman. I guess the other woman asked her, you know, how are you dealing with this, da 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 how are you managing with this? And she wrote, how does she brought, how does she brought a, Baruch Hashem. So here's, here's just an email that her mother wrote to somebody. And it's very interesting, and it does segue us right into what we're going to t- be talking about tonight. Here's the email. Uh, her mother wrote this. You know, you could worry a lot with cancer, but I don't. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I have really good doctors and love and support from family and friends and faith. Her mother was not an observant woman. Lovely, lovely woman. Not an observant woman. I'm a good patient and do everything to make and keep myself well. And beyond that, I leave it in God's hands. Very often, a friend tells me of their newly diagnosed cancer, or I learn of someone I know not doing well, and that really saddens me. But for some reason, I am very grateful, for I never bemoan my situation. Never. My age and where I am in my life, happy and content, nourishes my soul, and that gives me all I need to face my days happily without fear or anguish. Mm. Now, to me, this is a transcendent email. This is a very transcendent email. How on earth did she get there? That's not easy. And she suffered. So this is, I, I feel like just, you know, posting this all around and saying, this is how we can live life if we do the work. So tonight, we're going to do two aspects that will come together. And I hope that we'll be able to get them all really, really clear. And I want to set us up for the summer. I want to give us work that we can do individually. And I want to give us work that we can do with a chabura. If it's not your regular chabura, you can do it with people that are in town. We can meet. If somebody says, let's make a time to meet, and I'm in town, I'm here. Because this is, this is what we have to do to take a stand in this world in the face of everything that's going on around us. The, the world combining in every way to remove any mark of the divine, any mark of the Rebona Shalom from the world. And we must do something. And we have to be more so that we can do that something. And Hashem says in Festival, he's looking for somebody, he's go there, get there. Who's going to make a fence around me? Who's going to be there in the breach to represent me? We are. And that's what we're working on in here. Somebody has to do it. It is not happening now. So I had an interesting conversation today with two principals. One is a principal of an elementary school in another city. Another one is the principal of a middle school that that elementary school feeds into. And they were talking to me about how they want to upgrade what's happening in their schools so that they know that when a child graduates from the eighth grade, she has these certain things that she can carry with her into life. So they were talking about values. Okay, what values is it that we want these girls to have? And we were talking about how they could incorporate that and make it part of the mission and 
it should be expressed in every aspect of the school. And they, they said, yeah, but people don't talk that way. Now, this is a very religious school. People don't talk that way. They don't, they don't talk about growth. I said, but, but, but is this a Torah school? They said, yeah, but you know, and, and the head who's above us, she's very practical, just get through the day. She's not gonna talk about this fluff. Did you recognize me? Did you know me? Did you pull me into your life? Did you show the world that I exist? Were you happy with me? Did you trust me? Did you train the next generation that they're alive because they have to serve me? Do you ever get out of bed in the morning and say, I am here to serve Rebunu Shalom and I'm not here for myself? They're going to ask us those questions. But you will have participated in living carbonated and you'll know what to answer. <laughs> Why are you looking like that? <laughs> anyway, so this is what I want to do tonight. First, I want to, we have to talk about trust in Hashem. And there's no way to talk about growth and change and vision and values and all that beautiful stuff without understanding that it's all about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And without Him, we have nothing, we are nothing, we live for nothing. There is a Odmobado, there is no existence other than Him. So we're going to get that into our heads this summer, and I'm going to show you how, okay? First, oh wait, before I do that, I want to give out the next pages for your book, but I'm going to ask you not to look at them till I ask you to look at them, okay? <laughs> that way you have them, and I can say, please turn to page, page so-and-so. Now, the first page that you're going to, I'm giving out all the pages, and the first one we're going to work at together is page 18. Just put them in your book and don't look at them. That way I know it's done and you have them, okay? For people who aren't here, this will all be added to, I don't know if you can add to a PDF or it's a new PDF. It's a new one. We'll make a new one. The first one was pages one through 17. Now we're gonna have 18 through 22, okay? You're getting all those pages. So everyone is getting a, a, a stack and you put it right into your reference book. It starts with page 18, okay? So I'm going to give these out. Um, you want to, uh, Rachel, you want to help with these? And then, thank you. It, it, it goes, there's a pink paper in between each one. You should have pages 18 through 22. So I, should we take the pink away? I don't know. People can keep it or you can whatever. It doesn't have holes in it. Here's a stack for someone. You better give it to someone else. Here's a stack.
I don't know. We'll have to see. Let's first okay. give to everyone that has, and then please come to me for them here. And make sure it's 18 through 22, please. I have a 16. Oh, I have a 17. Okay, but, but let's not do that now. Let's, yeah. let's move forward. But you weren't you there? This, I know, it's for Rebecca Lipschitz. She doesn't have 40. She's right there. It's all on PDF. It's all. I'd like you to go back, please. A while ago, we had a page that looks like this. At the top, it says, Our obligation is to turn constantly to Hashem. And then, it's page eight. It didn't have eight when I first gave it out. We numbered all the pages. It had the first three reasons that Hashem is worthy of being trusted. The Cholos HaVavos says, there are seven things that a person or a being has to have in order for us to trust him. Hashem has all of those seven things. Now we're going to take a minute and clarify all of those seven things. 
Okay? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yep. We started with three. Mm -hmm. The first thing was, the first one was, he is totally loving, caring, and compassionate towards me. His love for me is overwhelming, complete, and merciful. Do you remember we discussed that? Then we did number two. His attention is constantly focused on me and my needs. He never, ever gets distracted from me and my needs. Number three, he is all-powerful. No one and nothing can stop him from doing what he wants for me. He is unlimited in fulfilling my requests and my needs. We did the first three, and the reason we broke it up is because we want to really get what these are about. If I give you all seven at one time, it's not going to mean anything. We have to take the time to really get these. He loves me. He is constantly focused on me. He is unlimited in what he can do for me. Now, I, I, I discussed this idea of these seven compelling reasons to trust Hashem with a group of 12th graders. And one girl raised her hand and she said, but does that mean that we can't trust anybody? So I said, of course it doesn't mean that. Do you trust your mother? Yes. Does your mother love you? Yes. Can she give you anything you want? I'm sure she would love to, but can she do that? Can she give you more attention every second? Or sometimes does she have to take care of another child or her job or a friend or a phone call? Is she focused on you every second? No. But you can trust her, right? It's because I didn't want these 12th graders to think you can't trust anybody. But the term that we're told, al tiftuchu bidivim. David HaMelech tells us, don't put your bitachon into somebody who's very powerful and great because one day he's going to die. He might get sick, he might be weak, he might lose his money, he might lose his power, he might have his reputation ruined. You can't rely on him. There's only one being that fulfills all seven. So your first page tonight, which is page 18, is the next four compelling reasons to trust Hashem. Now, what we did was, on page 19, we put together all of the reasons so that if you want to, you can look at page 19 and have them all there for you. <coughs> I also added a puzzle from Tanakh for each one to show you just a piece of what this could feel like. So let's look on that page 19, okay? Let's look at page 19 for a minute. And let's read the seven reasons and look at the pasuk that we put with it, okay? I'm sorry if this takes time. I hope it's not boring, but this is very important. And when I'm finished with this page, I'm going to give you a key ring. And on this key ring, there will be seven absolutely compelling reasons to trust Hashem. And it will have seven cards that will tell you and I am begging myself every day, look at one. And all day long, say it over and over and over again to yourself. In the course of a week, you will have looked at these multiple times. And soon, you'll be in your boat. 
two, you will know them by heart. You'll know number two. You'll know number seven. You will start to believe that Hashem actually is taking care of you and that everything that you experience, everything that happens to you, good or bad, is from this loving, loving being. <clears throat> so we've been talking about visions and values. Now, that happens to be something we're going to continue. There are different layers. If a person wants to grow towards a goal, there are layers of getting there. We've done the first two. The first two are vision, values. Who am I? Why am I that? You understand that we've been working on that. But you cannot move forward and you can't even do that if you don't know that you are nursing from Hashem every minute. Every minute. None of this is being done by you. This is all Him. So we're going to take the summer and over the course of the summer, we're going to learn these, think about them, talk to your Kabbalah. Take Zichuk Haraya. Take the template. You have a template in your book for Zichuk Haraya, which is getting, clarifying the issue. Now you say to your group, here's number two. Hashem's attention is constantly focused on me and my needs. He never ever gets distracted from me and my needs. So you say to someone in your group, I don't know that's true. What would that look like? What does it mean? And if it's true, so then what? Talk about it. Tear it apart and put it back together. Put in the intellectual work. Because, as Rabbi Yisrael if you tear it apart and analyze it, try to clarify it. Don't get clarity. Try to clarify it. You will end up with his lavus hanefesh. Exciting your being. You can actually get happy if you get to really know these seven cards. You'll get happy. You will be happy. Even when things are really, really painful, you can say, thank you, you're taking care of me. And that's not easy. So after these seven things, okay, let's go through the seven right now, okay? Here we go, let's go on the page, let's go through, and then we're gonna give these out. We're gonna talk about them. Seven absolutely compelling reasons to trust Hashem. If you really get these, you can't help but feel safe, loved, cherished, and safe. Would you like to feel loved? Would you like to feel cherished? Would you like to feel safe? You can. It's simple, but it's not easy. It takes work, but it's not complicated. Number one, Hashem is totally loving, caring, and compassionate towards me. His love for me is overwhelming, complete, and merciful. And so I put in here a puzzle from Shira Shirin, which says, Slolo tachas his left hand is under my head, the aminu and his right hand is holding me. It's holding me. You are embraced by Hashem at every moment because he loves you so dearly. How a we could get that message across to our children. A lot of the problems and the mental health issues and the anxiety and the stress and the misbehavior and the disconnection is because they don't know how much they matter. Number two, 
Hashem's attention is constantly focused on me and my needs. He never, ever gets distracted from me and my needs. Kigamul alei imo. A mother is holding her baby and nursing her baby. Kigamul alei nafshi. My whole being knows that I'm a nursing child. I understand I'm a nursing child. I'm suckling from him every moment. He doesn't stop. Look, my mother was holding the baby and nursing the baby. That's what she's doing. That baby's being cared for it every second, and it's nursing. That's who we are. Okay, it's not a second when he turns away and looks at something else. It's not like that. Can we get that through our brains? It's hard to do, so you've got to think about it. Think about it, say it, read it, discuss it, challenge it. Fight for it, own it. Number three, Hashem is all-powerful. No one and nothing can stop him from doing what he wants for me. He is unlimited in fulfilling my requests and my needs. He's the rich uncle in the sky, and he has billions and billions and billions of dollars, and he loves me. There is nothing besides him. Not that there's no other God besides him. No, there is no existence besides him. He owns everything. If he wants something to be, it will be. And if he doesn't want it to be, it won't be. But that's only for our good. And that's hard to take, and that's hard to believe, and don't say it's not, because it is. Number four, Hashem has perfect knowledge and insight into what is good for me in all aspects of my existence. Betach el Hashem Trust Hashem with your whole heart. Don't rely on your own intuitions. You don't know. You don't know the whole picture. You see little pieces, but there's a whole panorama that you're not seeing. We see little pieces of life. How could this be? How could God do that? How could it? How could we say that? He just came here 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. We just got here and we think we know everything about that person and what should be in their life and this soul and how this soul should go. We think we know. How could he do that? How could he do that? You think about it. It's, it, it, it's human, but it's awfully arrogant. I know. I don't know. I want it to be nice. I don't want it to be mean. And sometimes it feels like he's mean. But he's not. I just don't have the whole picture. You hear what Dr. Fox talked about taking his, his child to have his stitches in his forehead? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that he told you. I know you're supposed to do it, don't you? I know, I know, but I don't even know. Anyway, he talks about, it's a whole story which I'll tell you because it's very beautiful, but he had to hold down his, his six-year-old while because he had hit his head and they, they couldn't put him to sleep because they were afraid he had a concussion. Wow. So he had to hold him down and they had to do the stitches on his whole forehead while he's holding him down. Now, what did the six-year-old think? He's, he's tortured, tortured. His father is leaning over him holding him down so he hurt his knee not that long ago and he had to be in the emergency room. He's sitting next to his wife in the emergency room and all of a sudden <coughs> he's crying and crying and crying. Crying. He can't stop crying. His wife said to him, what's the matter? What's going on? He realized that in a cubicle right next to him it was like a six-year-old who was getting stitches or something. He was screaming, 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 bloody murder. And somehow, 
when we heard that six-year-old screaming up there, we all of a sudden remembered that 30 years before, he had been with his family out of town, and his son smashed his head and had this huge gash on his forehead, and they had to take him to the emergency room, and he had to go into the cubicle to have him treated with him, and they said, we can't get him, uh, we can't put him out because if he has a concussion, he might never wake up. You're going to have to hold him down. You can't let him move an inch. But can you imagine what it took to hold down that six-year-old his entire body on top of him, right? Holding him, the kid screaming, screaming, screaming in pain. And he was very stoic. Care of him, was loving to him, brought him back to the hospital, bundled him up, and went back home. Never cried about it. Thirty years later, he hears a six-year-old crying and screaming. And the whole thing came back because it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. We think, oh, I put it aside. It's okay. I don't need to deal with it. I don't need to process it. I'm, I, I'm a strong person. I don't need to process all these things. Come on, that's modern psychology. You don't need that. But 30 years later, he's sobbing. So when we do the work on ourselves, we're going to talk tonight a lot about limiting beliefs. They come from somewhere. They come from somewhere in our past. And we don't want to go there and look at where they come from. But if we're going to do this work, we're going to have to face a lot of things. We're going to have to talk, and we're going to have to process. Because things don't disappear. I always tell my students, you've got a file cabinet in your head. And in that file cabinet, all of the things that you experience in your life. <coughs> And when you take a really difficult experience and you shove it in the back of one of the file drawers, over time, it begins to get infected and it starts leaking. You got pus all over there. Now what's that gonna do inside of you? So don't leave it there in that drawer. You gotta take it out, you gotta do it. And that's, I think, a piece, not, this is not a psychology class or anything like that, but I'm just saying, this brings up a lot of those things. Why would Hashem make me go through that? Why did I have to go through that trauma? Why did I have to be hurt like that? I don't know why. But if you begin to trust and feel his love, it's easier to process what happened. And then you begin to have a real relationship with him and a real relationship with yourself. Because everybody has pain. Everybody has suffered. You don't get to be a, a, a woman of whatever age you are without having gone through some difficult times, bad times, scary times, traumatic times. Yes? So I'm struggling a lot with, even when you said, okay, so you can bring this up and say, why intellectually is that true or not true? And even just now, though, when you said it, you said something about feeling, feeling. And so, let's say if I want to feel the love of Hashem, it's not a knowledge thing. It's a knowledge of feelings thing. And I think it comes because of maybe the gratitude, maybe because of experience and whatever. But this is, I'm so struggling with this, making it intellectual. I think you're not going to like this. But I think it may be a little risky. Because then if I have a good, a, a place where I feel Hashem's love, and then someone challenges it, and then we keep talking about it, and love but I feel it and then you and you know we're very quick to question about our feelings 
you know, maybe I shouldn't be feeling that for whatever might be. Like in this case, I I have no doubt this is what I want to feel, and this is what, and so I'm I'm going to tip anyone right. So, but the whole thing. So okay. So can I explain? Let me yes. see if I can answer that because I think this is really important. Listen, the chavos of Allah Rabbeinu Bache was not stupid. You would agree with that. Mm-hmm. His whole Shari B'Tachon is about creating such a level of serenity that a person is completely at peace no matter what they're going through. No matter what they're going through. When the Rav and the Warsaw get and Warsaw before the ghetto, and the bombs were falling and falling and falling, like the Germans were trying to capture the city, everybody else went down into the shelters. We got the pajamas and we got into bed. Mm. He said, because it, he wasn't scared. Now, he happened to have worked in Shari B'Tachon very hard. He learned it many, 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 many times. And what did he get from this? Remember, we have to engage the Seichel. You can't just go with feelings because feelings are not facts and they're not reliable. First, we have to get the facts about Hashem. The feelings will come. And maybe you already have good feelings, but you're going to build them but a human being has da'as, and da'as influences our feelings. You don't have emotions unless they're based on some kind of thought. That's how we're built. In order to really build the serenity of total trust, and I mean total trust, we can achieve this. You've got to have the Seichel foundation. You must, so he's explaining. He's saying to us, why should you trust God? Why should you trust God? He's saying because he has all of these things. If there's any human being with all of these things, trust him. Right, so, I, so is that a Seichel? Yes. Uh, but your but, but question then, someone's going to say, so, okay, he said, them defending comments on hope for me. that is an intellectual foundation, I have to allow myself to examine it first. If I don't examine it, talk about it, deal with it, fight about it, seek, seek, seek clarity, I don't really have, let's say, a good foundation. It's just the thoughts out of line, somebody told me. Most of us grow up, those of us who grew up from, grow up in Jewish schools, and we heard all the lines, Moshe gave us the Torah, and then no, no, you have to be happy, and so then, what did it mean to us? And then we grew up and we never took it deeper. And we never took deeper that, that you have to trust Hashem and you have to love other people. What does it mean to love other people? Do you know what it means to love other people? What is love? We're going to have to talk about love. It's our mantra. Love, transcend, persist. What's love? What's transcendence? What's persistence? We're going to have to delve into this when we, when we come back together. I learned things as a tiny child and never went beyond my understanding as a child. I would feel bad if I couldn't share my toys because a good person shares their toys. A good person listens to their mommy. A good person is respectful to their teachers. A good person davens. What happens when my mother used to teach Hebrew school on Sunday mornings and she wasn't there to tell me to daven? Now I had to do it on my own. And that was a horrible struggle. So I would just keep myself busy doing the list that she sent me to do because, oh, it's already had so, and it didn't daven. But I was busy doing the chores. 
because I didn't want a garment. That's not a, a good feeling in a kid. That's not a good feeling. I failed again and again and again. I was a bad girl. So let's find out what we really have to know, what is really true, and then how do I deal with the parts of us that don't want to do it? Now what do I do? There are answers to these things, but we don't talk about it because after all, we're good girls. Do you hear what I'm saying? Does it make sense? I've got to clarify and know that he exists and he loves me and he put me here for a purpose and he will hold me accountable to that purpose. And the best way to get there is for me to really know when I die, I want to know him. I don't want him to be a stranger. I don't want to get up there and, and have to confront a stranger. I want to come to a loving being that, that has his arms around me, like it says. But you can really prove these things with not with your heart, but with your mind. And why would we get so much reward for doing it? Because we have a Yetzar Hara that fights everything that's true and will find every possible way to use our Ratzon and our Seichel against us. And the Yetzar Hara will say, you can't really prove that God loves you. How are you going to do it? Now, there are many discussions that prove that he gave the Torah, so we have to go there, too. But I'm just saying, don't just take a line and say you believe it. Swallow it. Chew it. Think about it. So where's the line between Zichol Harayon and the leap of faith? We do. Zichol Harayon does not say get clarity. There's no such thing in this Attention is seichel. If you pay attention to number one, 
several times throughout a day, and you say it to yourself, Hashem is totally loving, caring, and compassionate. He loves me so overwhelmingly and completely, and he's so merciful. Say it out loud to yourself. Pay attention. Sichach Harayim is paying attention. Okay, number four. Number four. We did that. Number five. Listen to this one. Hashem is the only one who has continual management of my entire life, from the moment of my conception until the end of my existence in this world. My entire existence is managed by Him. And Eov says, Zacharna, Kikachonar Asisani. Hashem, please remember, you, you modeled me like a piece of clay, the Elafar Kishiveni. And one day, you're going to put me back into the ground. You're loving me every minute. Don't forget, I'm, I'm dependent on you. I'm completely dependent on you every minute. Number six, Hashem has absolute control over everything that happens to me. No one can harm me or help me except for him. Belokim batachti, I trust in Hashem. Lo ira, I am not afraid. Maya asev asar li. What can any person do to me if he's in control? So if somebody does something to me, it's because he wanted that to happen to me. And then, okay, I'm going to end. Let's do it. Run me. Here I am. You fight back. Appropriately, of course, you have to take responsibility to respond. But understand. Let's go find against Hashem. Maybe he's sure he wants you to respond. Somebody holds a point of gun at you, you try to protect yourself. And they say, well, I guess Hashem wants me to die. You know what I'm saying? Do whatever you can. No, no, that's a whole different thing. And I'll tell you what, we talked about why he did it. Let me explain why. He did everything to protect himself when all the buildings were falling apart anyway. It's not. And you had to go down seven, eight times a night. And finally he said, I can't do that. I just want to take that struggle to care of me. That's a good, that's a good question. Number seven, Hashem is unfailingly generous and kind to me whether I deserve it or not. Now, once we have paid attention a lot to all of these seven things, now we can start to do the root of all service of Hashem, which is... Heyos ha'adam poneh levaro. We turn to Hashem tummy all the time. So we've been talking about that from the beginning that that's our job. But if you don't know Him and feel His presence and everything, that's hard to do. So your first job this summer is to practice with your cards, and then the last one, the very last one, is the love transcend persist card so that you have this mantra on your lips. You're going through a tough time during the day, you say to yourself, I can love, I can transcend, and I will persist. This is a very hard thing to do, but what are we in this world for? That's what we're in this world for. Not to succeed at this, or succeed at that, or manage this, or grow in that. No! Love, transcend, and persist the best of your ability. Persistence means studying these all the time. When you come back in Elul, 
These will be at your fingertips. They'll be on your lips. They'll be in inside your heart. Make that your goal for this summer. That's a doable goal. It's a practical, doable goal. And then when you talk about it with your friends and with your children and with your family and with everybody around you, the more they will grow from that too. So we're gonna give these out before you leave today. But now we're gonna to go to the next piece that I wanna show you because this is important, okay? This is very important. Listen. Everybody has a frequency at which they deal with life. Your internal frequency Drop the other one. Uh, the other one might be way better. Maybe just throw that out. Yeah. Determines emotional state. Let me explain what I mean by that. Let's take back your thoughts. This thing that happened. Okay. It's not a terribly horrible traumatic thing, so it's easy for us to talk about that one. People go through things in life, especially when they're young. We had talked about the, the neurons, right, and how the neurons connect to each other, and that that's how a thought takes place. We have the synapse, right? The thought jumps from one station to the next station or the next neuron. That's the completion of a thought. Now you have a thought. And the more often you think that thought, the more deeply it is engraved in your mind and it becomes your life belief. Okay, yes? Okay, so things happen when you're little and you don't even know that you're interpreting them wrong or that you could get over it. You just, something happens, somebody says something that hurts your feelings, somebody tells you you're a, you're a klutz or you don't know how to do this or, Oh, I hate how you draw your pictures. You know, another kindergartner says it's cute. And in your mind, I'm a terrible drawer. I can't draw, I can't draw. You just, now you have what's called a limiting belief. Okay? Now, sometimes those limiting beliefs are so deeply, all the time, we have certain limiting beliefs we don't even know we have. But they determine our outlook on the world. And so we have a certain frequency at which we operate. Every human being has a frequency at which they operate. Now, they've done studies on hundreds of thousands of people, and they have determined that if you are functioning at a certain frequency, you will likely have these certain kinds of emotions, and then here will be your life view. You have... Um, some belief about yourself, about life, about something, which then determines the frequency at which you operate. Yes? I'm a loser. So many things happened when I was little. I realize I'm a loser. People don't respect me, whatever it is. And I've never processed it, so it's sitting inside of me getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And so now, I have certain emotions. If I think I'm a loser, what are my emotions going to be in general? I'm gonna feel anxious, I'm gonna feel unloved, maybe angry. All different kinds of emotions are gonna come out depending on my frequency, right? And that's gonna determine my whole life view. 
Now, I'm going to tell you an interesting study that was done. They did a study on elephants. Some of you might have heard about this. They took baby elephants and they tied them to a little stake, because the baby elephant's not so big, around the leg of the baby elephant. Here's the, the leg of the baby elephant. Okay? And that taught the baby elephant that it, had, it can't go beyond the stake. It's tied to the stake and he knows, oh, if I try to go, I'm pulled back to the stake. They did studies testing full-grown 2,000-pound elephants tied with their foot to a stake, those that had been trained like that when they were babies. They will not move beyond the stake because they think that you can't move if you're tied to the stake. 2,000-pound, they could pull down an entire building, but they won't move if their foot is tied to the stake. This is called a limiting belief. Now, we all have limiting beliefs about ourselves. And so, when we started talking about vision and values, there was a lot of, oh, I don't Because we're tied to the stake. Oh, no, 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 no. This is who I am. I'm really a loser. I'm just an angry person, and I can't get over it, and I can't move out of this, this little circle here. Or, or I just, I'm a procrastinator, I never get anything done, and I, it's not gonna happen, I've tried so many times. Or I never make any money. I'm just, I'm a person who doesn't make money. I'm tied to the state. So those limiting beliefs will eventually affect my whole worldview, and then I'm stuck. I'm stuck. So the question is, if Hashem has put me here, achieve certain things and be the best that I can be, how do I untie myself from the stairs? And that's what people put. We don't even know we have choice. We don't believe. I believe in certain things I have choice, but certain things I don't have choice. It's just how I should make me. Right? So I'm going to ask you now, please, to look at page 20. And we're going to see what Shlomo Hamela said about this. It's a stunning statement. More than anything that you safeguard, anything that you treasure, safeguard your heart. And your heart from all of the results Your beliefs are what's going to create your destiny. But I'm tied to the stake. I'm tied to the stake. What do I do? So we are going to do a plan of untying ourselves from the stake. And if you do the plan and you work on your trust in Hashem who only wants you to succeed and wants you to reach your full potential and do good in this world, you can't lose. So look at this chart. Let's take a look at this chart. This chart was put together after hundreds of thousands of calibrating all different types of people, all classes, all levels, all genders, all ages. And I'm not saying it's total truth. I don't know. But these are the results of those calibrations. So on the left, they show the level that you're functioning at. Some people function at a level of shame. Something happened in childhood that was very shaming, and they live their entire life in a place of shame. Unfortunately, this is extremely common extremely common. 
people live in a place of shame. So you're not at a very high level of, of, of enlightenment, of, of freedom from self, of harmony with the world, right? And it could be just in certain aspects of yourself. But if a person is living in a place of shame or guilt or apathy, look at the emotions that come with it. Humiliation, blame, and despair. Have you noticed blame in our society at all? Have you noticed that when you tell a child that they're doing something wrong, they immediately blame either you, well, you did blah, 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 or oh, but he did blah, blah. That's a childish place to be. They haven't been able to move beyond that yet, right? So they're, they're going to live miserable. They're going to be hopeless. This just, if you want to get the impact how you are in the world, look at this chart and look at yourself. Of course you have good pieces that you know, they're not good. Of course you have courage. Good. So in that way, you see that life is feasible. You can take this on. But maybe you live in a place of fear a lot. And you're going to have emotions of anxiety. And life will seem frightening. That's also very, very, very common. And I've seen it here in the Haburos that people are too scared to make a vision. Because I don't need work and I don't know how to do it. But we're going to walk it through. We're going to walk We're going to walk our way through this. And if we have Hashem at our side and inside of us and we're serene, we can make it. Our internal frequency determines our dominant emotional state. I'm beginning to see that I have the power of choice. So let's think about this. Here are three questions for you to work on over the summer and share with your Chabura to the degree that you want to share. Do the work and then do it again. If you don't sit down and write and work, you won't get what you can get. Where do I resonate right now on this scale? How do I see it playing out in my life? You will be surprised at what you discover about yourself and how you're viewing life. Yes? What does the law mean for numbers? That means the, that's the number, the level of enlightenment. Law means what level of enlightenment are you at? Like frequency. Like frequency. Yeah, your frequency. At what level would I like to resonate? What will it look like when that happens? Wouldn't you love to be at a level of love, reverence, life is benign, joy, serenity, completion? Wouldn't you like to resonate at a higher level? Yes. Mm -hmm. I had a co-worker and I asked her. Talk loud. I had a co-worker and I asked her, I'm like, oh, how are you doing? Well, my level of um, my level of stress is a little higher than I like it to be, and I like love that like turmoil because it feels like it's not I'm stressed and I'm you know and all of these things are like this is like what's happening and then it translates into hysteria. It's like you know you know it's like yeah on the barometer of things like you know this day is more stressful than my normal day. So you know like what you know I I just acknowledge that it's like more of an acknowledge. Right, it's an acknowledgement, which means that she's not afraid of it, and she can handle it. See, we think that is me, right? You are not your frequency. It's something that you can deal with. Okay, so then, I don't want to, it's already late, so I don't want to go through this a lot. We will come back to it when we get together, yes? Is it possible that at different points of the day, different days, you're having different Yes, yes, and also, this is a general, you know, but yes, and also in different ways, in some parts, some parts of your being, you are filled with shame. In some parts of your being, 
you're filled with love. You know, so you want to look at all the different voices and all the different pieces. It's a complicated process, but we're getting to know ourselves. And we want to pull our leg away from the away from the stake. So here's a work for you to do over the summer if you choose to. And get together with other people. You don't have to share. Just work together. Take half an hour, get together with a friend, and you both write. And then you can talk about what it was like to do this writing. Now, go please to page 21. We have to thank Kitty Koryak for this beautiful drawing over here. Limiting beliefs versus vision, values, identity, and trust. Imagine if we really create visions for ourselves, we know the values we're living for, we create an identity for ourselves and live into that identity because don't I, and we know that Hashem is with us every minute. We're transformed. We're transformed. Oh, our foot is no longer stuck on the stake. You see, he's trying to get to the peanuts. He can't go away from that tiny little stake to eat the peanuts because he is limited in his belief about himself. We don't have to let our limiting beliefs override our behavior. So how can I let go of my limiting beliefs? There's two things we've talked about. Articulate your vision. What's your identity? Ask yourself why this vision matters to you. What are the values behind it? Now we're at the point where we are pulling together what we talked about about the Tukhlam and about our job in this world and what we've talked about about vision, values, thoughts. We're going to pull all of that together. We're going to pull together your Ratzah and your Seichel. You hear what we're trying to do here? And we're going to move forward in the layers that enable you. First two layers are vision, who am I? Values. Why is that important to me? And then we have to take on the other layers over time. And then your very last page, the Chabura. This is a really cute thing she made. How are you, Gladys? I, I've been better. What are you so happy about? After lugging this binder around for half a century, I finally sat down and thought. Destiny is not a matter of chance, it is a matter of choice. It is not a thing to be waited for, it is a thing to be achieved. As you take on habits that build your identity, remember, your values, live into them, and affect your destiny, choose to stay in touch with your kabura this summer. And then we give some topics for discussion. And then number three is the mantra. Post it, we will see it all the time. Keep track of every moment of transcendence. Be loved. <coughs> Don't give up. Those are your that so you have from pages eighteen to twenty-two. I suggest you go through them until you're nauseated by them. <laughs> this summer. Go through them until you can't you, you just they're pouring out of you. And then you take your thing, your cards, you've got your cards with you, you can make a million more copies, you've got your mantra. Love, transcend, persist. It answers to everything that comes at you. You can be love. You can be loving. You can feel love. You can speak love. Let's create the language of love in our community. Let's talk love to each other and not be embarrassed and believe that Hashem loves us and talk about Hashem's love for heaven's sake. Study them. Drink them in. We're giving them to you so that you can work on them. If you don't want to work on them, don't take the cards. <laughs> okay, now let's just have some.
comments and questions, okay? Do you feel if you have these pages and these cards that you now know a little bit clearer where we've been going with everything and how we're pulling together the Hashem piece, which is indispensable, and the piece of the work we need to do with choosing, describing our vision, articulating our vision. Who am I? Picturing it, living it out. Why? Why is it so important to me? Somebody stand up and tell me a moment of transcendence they have. Let's, let's take a look at this. Does anybody have a moment of transcendence? It could be a stupid little nothing. Good, stand up. To me, it's important to, um, to inspire someone. No, I don't want to know that. I want to know that you transcended. Oh, so, so how? I want to know that a moment of transcendence, I don't want to know what's important to you. I'm not interested. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Tell me something you did this week that transpired, that you transcended. Because it's very, very like, not important. Okay. I met a girl um, who is looking for jobs of the social worker. And Atlanta seems to be local for that. And then I tried to help her and telling her to send me a resume and she hasn't. Then today somebody else um, tried to connect me through LinkedIn and uh, that's a young girl and I said she's a um, social worker in other state. So I said I met a girl who went to the same college with you so if you um, no, another position of social worker, um, you know, let me know. And the girl said, oh, I got better job in other, other place, so um, I'm sure my current, um, you know, place is going to look for another social worker. So uh, we tell her to send you her resume and then I, you know, send that to me. So I just, you know, the girl here and I said, hey, you should send me resume. You have opportunity. And it may mean nothing to you, but for me, I feel like I'm so happy and then just. No, no, I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that? What did, you, what did you have to transcend in yourself to do that? Because she hadn't sent you a resume and yet you still took care of her. Trying to get yeah, yeah. her job. Because I'm, 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 I'm. No, no, I don't want to know. Okay. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. That why she I did not send you a resume. Yeah. And you could have been resentful of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And judgmental. instead of being resentful or judgmental, you tried to find her a job. Yeah. Okay. You hear the moment of transcendence. Now, now, why did you choose to transcend? Why? Yes. Because I want to go beyond me. Like what, what value that you had and motivated you to do that? Why would you do that? To give impact, positive impact to other people's lives. That's so that's a value yeah, to you. Yeah. Okay, so I would say to you, if you do something where you transcend, you overcome yourself, stop and say to yourself, why did I do that? What's the value behind that? that clearly motivates me and fuels me. 
Your values fuel you, and I bet you don't even articulate what those values are. Take the time. Thank you very much. When you put a little let's have one more person. Tell, tell us some way. I want to know, and I just want to know the events that you transcended. Debbie. Uh, my husband asked me to communicate. Talk about so that those on the. Yeah. My husband asked me to communicate in a way that was way out of my comfort zone. To him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't respond in a way that he needed. Uh -huh. So he articulated, can you please say this, this, this in this kind of way? And, you know, my. Me, my first, you know, instinct was just like, you know, oh, come on, you know. <laughs> but then I, you know, okay, and I said, and I, and I did, and I said, and I did my best to deliver what he asked that's for. Amazing. And, that's amazing. That's <laughs> amazing. You were like annoyed or upset or whatever. That's really cool. Right. Like a year ago, I would not have done that. You know, okay. Sure. Okay. So now, Debbie. Yes. Why did you do that? Um, because I want a loving, uh, reciprocal relationship. What, okay, you do, what, why? Um, because it would feel nice, I don't know, feel good. To why, do you want, why do you care about a loving relationship? Um. and you know why you care, you're going to work harder, and you're going to be humble and do what you did, and do things that don't feel necessarily great in order to make that relationship loving, even though it's really hard, and it's not fair, and you're right, and all the different justifications. If you have a value that that matters to you so much, you're going to do it. That's why it's so important to know what your values are. Because they are the things that, that drive you. So we have values that drive us. We don't even know what they are. Define them. Can you give an example? Well, we just had, we just had an no, example. I need an example of what the value would be for me. Okay, let's, let's hear from you. She wants a loving relationship with her husband. Why? don't really care you know it just feels good to be loved okay good Period. that's true that's very because true bias. Bias okay. okay do you really believe that i do believe that okay tell me more about the value of shaman bias. well because i also work with my husband <laughs> <laughs> and it's like constant like, I'm like always together <laughs> if there's no shallow then everything falls apart, not just Just for you? The what, what, what's, what's the importance of shalom bias? Well, I think it trickles down to yeah. like your children. Okay, you and, and what else? What else is important about shalom bias? I think you can accomplish more together and you, it, it's like having that partner or having that like person in life is what gives you the strength to move so much farther in life and to do everything you want and accomplish in life and those are standard things. Midos are values and you want to have I want to I want to have good midos. Why do you want and to I want to be humble? Because I want to be humble and it's just humility that's definitely humility over there. 
And why so why is I want to because it's part of my service Hashem. We are nothing. We are nothing. Chavos Chaim talked about it. He quoted his. He's just like the moss on the wall. On the other hand, his words were saying, "Change the entire world." I'm nothing. I'm the center of the world, and that can only come from humility. Humility is what creates relationships that are loving and forgiving and deep. And, we, and it's a reflection of the echad, the oneness of Hashem. Don't you want to get that? And maybe you don't. I'm saying, think about why this is important to you. It's not just about having a nice relationship. It's so much deeper. It's, it's, the, it's the foundation of the world. Yes, Silva. Our world, like when you take your end scenario and you go through what God is doing, the people do the people. I think all of those can end up coming to the front porch because this is how I serve God. You know, it's interesting because if you get, read the Igeris Ramban, he talks about Anivos and how Anivos is the core of all Nidos. In a sense, yes, but we have to work with ourselves and with the things that speak to us. Humility doesn't speak to everybody. You take the values that speak to you that are speaking to you and you don't even hear them. If, you, if, if you're having them, why not cherish them? And if you're aware of them, oh yeah, that, I can know something, I really believe in that. You're gonna act differently. You're gonna be different. You see, it's awareness. Yes. But it seems like a lot of people are giving answers that, you know, it seems like other people, it, it, it's, a, it's a value, all these things you're saying, but to, I know I feel like you guys can go deeper, go deeper, deeper. We got to that point. Right, but there are other points too. In other words, what shalom is, what shalom does for the world, that no bracha can come without shalom, that shalom encapsulates the world and then HaKadosh Baruch was more one, that Hashem created the world in tremendous harmony. We learn about the currents that flow under the ocean, the warm ones and the cold ones, and they bring more oxygen into the air and all that kind of stuff. It's like the harmony in the world is beyond belief. Be a part of that harmony. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like just define for yourself what speaks to you. If it speaks to you, it's a value for you. But you have good values that you just want to define and articulate the ones that speak to you. Right? You can just say, Shalom is a value for me. I'll do anything for peace. Simcha is a tremendous yeah. value. Yes, Elisheva. I'm just wondering if what Hilda is saying, because I was thinking the same thing, is like, so Debbie was saying, you know, she, she did what she did because she wanted to love and respect the relationship, right? So then it's felt like, okay, more and more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper. So going back to what we were talking about, the retreat, about shooting, right? Were you saying that the, the motivation behind all these things should be that nope. we want to emulate no. Hashem, like humility and bring good to the world and all of that. No. Meaning, why can't a motivation be full stop because I want to love and respect the relationship or because Shalom Bayes brings happiness and calm to my family? Like, why can't it be full stop? It can. It can. But I don't yeah. believe that that's the truth of Shudot. I believe, I'm not saying she should have those values, hard and all that. I'm just saying, knowing Debbie, there's something more motivating her to do that with her husband. It's not just that she wants a nice relationship. 
It's something to keep within. So are you saying that everybody is, is essentially true? a keep us on? There you go. No, are you saying that everybody is a No, meaning did Hashem create us with that level of depth that we all are should, could, get exactly. I think that he gave us neshamas that are profound and amazing. That's what I think. And I think we ignore them. And we're not in touch with them. I'm just saying, get in touch. No should. I don't care what your values are. Get to know what they are. I have seen amazing, strong women doing unbelievable things. And I wonder, where does that come from? <laughs> It comes from what they believe deep inside. And they don't even pay attention to the fact that they believe it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't have to have some deep value. I'm just saying. You probably do, so get to know it. Everybody in this room has a card, has a card packet. Is there an extra one? There's one extra. Who's going to have the one? We can make more. We can have them in shul or something. We'll have to put out that we'll make more. Maybe we'll ask people to let us know if they want, and then we'll we'll just make that many more. Yes? Can I just ask something? So I really, truly believe in all of this. I really do. And I feel it. And I know it. And it, I know it's true. But we live in a, in a very materialistic world. We live in here, not there. <laughs> so in this grinding life, you want to get to this lahavut. But, you know, in the day-to-day, that's very high. It's not where we're living. So there's a huge gap between I believe in it, I know it's true, and actually getting to, yeah. so what to, I would to say that here, energy that yeah. we're all looking for. Yeah. So what we're trying to do here with, oh, I have to, I have to show you this. I was at a CM tonight, and they had this seltzer there. Seltzer water. Good chemistry. It's electric. Sparkling. Reflect, refreshing. That's what living carbonated is about. Electric. The idea with the love transcend persists is at this moment, can I choose to be loving? At this moment, just this one moment, not ten minutes from now, not five minutes from now, this moment, can I transcend? I want to just be in my bed under my covers. I can't take life. Can I get out of bed and put in the world around me? It's wear the mask. That's the thing is, it's wear the mask. We have learned about wearing the clothing of your vision, of the identity that you want to be. Practice it. You don't have to get anywhere. But you have 
to take steps. You are accountable to take steps. You're not accountable to get to a specific place. But also, doesn't it help to know who we can be? Even if we never get there? And there's no reason we can't get very, very far except for our limiting beliefs. Now, I'm not yet 2,000 pounds, but I'm definitely that adult elephant that thinks that I'm stuck to that tiny little face. So let's see if we can break through the limiting beliefs. Let's do some techniques and try to do that. We just, just want to be aware and we want to speak a different language. We want to speak the language of love and transcendence and trust in the Kurdish Barakud. So it becomes a language that everybody here speaks. And that we're not afraid to speak that language. We're afraid to speak it because it's so corny and people make fun of it. It's so fluff, 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 fluff. You know the old fluff line? That's a great protection against having to look at myself and work inside, calling it fluff. So I'm just saying, and, and also the energy by working with other people makes it okay and it inspires you. I think. So thank you. This is our, our pilot program. We had four sessions and we had our mini retreat. I hope that with your suggestions and ideas and everything, we'll be able to take this to another level and see what we can at another level. And then maybe we can take it to another level and deal with it at an even higher level. There's a lot of power in this room, a lot of wisdom, a lot of deep values, a lot of love, and a lot of power. So I think we should take advantage of it and don't let it fall over the summer. How many of you are going to be here for part, at least part of the summer? Oh my gosh. So let's arrange get-togethers. Right. Well, we talk about it. <laughs> Weekly? I mean, I am, I, I am very committed to this. I'm very committed to this because I look at our Jewish world and I see beautiful, beautiful Jewish people who are not living with this awareness. And if, if we can make a difference, you never know what the difference is. You never know. And everybody here can make that difference. So how many people present would it be to that specific circle? What's the question? Five. How many people would have to commit so that we can have us on a regular basis? Elisheva had suggested that maybe even on Shavuos we could, you know, just have a, a get-together. Mm -hmm. Where there's no other program that we're interfering with, get-together that might control